Hey, this is Wicked Spursy, Mike, Steve, Dave, and occasionally a special guest here to talk about the club that we love, Tottenham Hotspur. Come on, you Spurs. Let's go. Hey, this is Wicked Spursy, and I'm joined today, this is Dave, with my friend Mike. How you doing, Mike? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing very well. Thank you. We are excited today to have the international break. So we're not talking Spurs, which is one of our favorite things to talk about, but we're talking about another thing that we love, and that is the upcoming Major League Baseball season. Opening day coming up at the end of this week, and uh, you got two Sox guys here, a Red Sox guy and a White Sox guy, and Mike and I are just going to talk about something we're passionate about and see where it goes. So Mike, let's get to it. What do you say? Absolutely. I, I can't wait. All right, let's do this. Normally when we're talking Spurs and we have a guest on, we ask, what's What's your story? How did you become a Spurs fan? So for today, why don't you talk to me first about the Red Sox? What's your Red Sox origin story? Um, okay, yeah. Uh, I wish it were uh, more of a fairy tale story, uh, more of a cool story like my Spurs origin. But um, when uh, I, when I was growing up, uh, my my dad's a Yankee fan. Uh, it's real tough. It's it's a real tough situation in our family. Um, <laughs> it sounds like it already. Yeah, his uh, his father and his brothers uh, and in his it is in his mom all Red Sox fans, like diehard Red Sox fans. Um, my grandmother to the day she passed, every single night watched Red Sox. Um, my dad grew up in an era where, you know, the 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 fifties and the in the early sixties where, you know, you rooted for the players, you know, and right. he got he got that Mickey Mantle baseball card when he was a kid you know the and real one the, the, the real one yeah. the real card, immediately yeah. stuck it in the spokes of his tires and, and then spokes of his bike right <laughs> yeah. um and so he fell in love with the yankees he fell in love with mickey mantle and um and the yankees of the of the 60s and that's when he grew up as a kid um so when i was growing up uh i didn't really pay attention you know it's kind of hard for kids to pay attention to baseball and to like it um outside of playing it so we had WPIX when I was a kid and they showed all the Yankee games. We didn't have any Boston stations growing up in Rutland, Vermont. So um, we watched the Yankees and, and, you know, um, I remember seeing guys like, you know, Dave Winfield and Gidry and, yeah. and those players when I was really young um, in um, my uncle being the good brother that he is um came back from Fenway Park one day um and had a gift for me from the park and it was a little tiny you know those ice cream helmet dishes oh, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah everybody yeah. you got to get one when you go to the park right um I've got about a stack of about this big but he got me uh, a bank that was about the same size as one of those helmets and and uh I don't know where it is today but I had that bank and it was a Red Sox batting helmet. And uh, my uncle, like I said, in true brotherly fashion, turned, turned his nephew against you know, his brother. Um, I became, I became a Red Sox fan. Yeah. And I just became a Red Sox fan. I, um, I started learning all about the Red Sox. So at 10 years old, I uh, got to see my first world series. I was very excited because um, I had my, I was a big, big Jim Rice fan as a kid. And 
So I had my shirt, my t-shirt, and it was Jim Rice and a big, you know, home run, his big home run swing. He had a big, big, big batter. And uh, most probably one of the most feared batters of the seventies and the early eighties. And I had my t-shirt. I remember wearing my t-shirt that said, pitchers pay the price when they face Jim Rice. It said right on there, like a ringer t-shirt. That's a long uh, slogan to put on a t-shirt to be honest. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so I had, I had this t-shirt and um, my little helmet bank watching this at 10 years old and my very first baseball, like real baseball memory was the Buckner between the legs thing. And, you know, you, at 10 years old, you don't get to stay up that late for games. 1986. Yeah. 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 So it was the Buckner. It was the Buckner game. Yeah. It seems like all the teams that all the teams that I pick up the year that I picked them up or shortly thereafter have this terrible, terrible, terrible letdown. I remember watching, you know, when I was, I, I became a Redskins fan the year that they lost to the Raiders in, in, in the Super Bowl and they got trounced. Yeah. Um, okay. Like the John Riggins era, right? Thighs yeah. Were, yeah. Yep, it was yep, like yep. the year after watching my first Super Bowl and they yep. got back into the Super Bowl and I said, Oh, this, that's this team again. Um, so um, my dad, you know, to his credit, didn't force me to be a Yankee fan. He did say to me, I remember this as a, as a kid, uh, very few, few like memories of things that were said. He said, that's fine if you're a Red Sox fan, but you're going to be disappointed year after year. <laughs> and until I was, uh, until 2004, you know, at 28 years old, I was uh, disappointed year after year after year. Who knew um, that those were early signs of your uh, upcoming Spurs fandom, right? Like, you're, you're, you're <laughs> yeah, it's like all this. It like I yeah I think you know, I think think I've said it on the cast before is that it's with Spurs and, and and just like the Red Sox it's it was always the always almost never and it didn't happen and it didn't happen and didn't happen the Yankees got good you know the Yankees in, in the nineties weren't good and the Red Sox were good they made it to the playoffs every year um, never making it to the World Series but um, it's kind of my origin story. Um, and, it, you know, it's been kind of a neat ride ever since until the last few years, you know, every couple, every World Series is followed by a couple of years of just garbage. Um, but we'll get into that later. What's what's uh, what's your story with your Southsiders? Yeah, you know, so mine, I mean, it, it kind of goes back to when I was a little kid, I was born um, outside of Muncie, Indiana, which is where Ball State University is, if you've ever heard of that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, home of home of famous alumni like David Letterman. And that's about it. Um, but you know, when I, when I was a kid there, lived there until I was seven years old. And in that environment, the only sport that I was able to play when I was a little kid was basketball. And I mean, we're talking, you know, this is mid late seventies. Um, I was born in 74 Chuck Taylor, literally wearing those shoes on, you know, there's pictures of me, like as a kid where my dad wore the same shoes I wore, you know, that type of thing. When we moved to Chicago, my dad got transferred there. And I, I thought that, um, the only thing I'd ever seen of, of, you know, a city like Chicago was skyscrapers. And so I thought we were, you know, we we're going to be like the Jeffersons moving into a high rise, you know, I'd seen different strokes than Jeffersons and that was the deal. And then we pulled up in this, in a suburb and um, in a suburb, which I didn't know what it was, but there's all kinds of stuff that kids can do. You know, you, you could, you could ride your bike wherever you wanted. There's basketball, there's baseball, there's football, there's soccer, there's everything you can imagine. So I started to get there, exposed. 
there's yeah there's that neighborhood experience there's right? that neighborhood experience be home by dinner time those were the rules and you just right. did what what you wanted to do um so i started to get exposed to baseball just in the neighborhood you know and then i i remember vividly 1983 um my dad's brother came to visit. He was from the San Diego area, brought his RV out, which I thought was the coolest thing. My uncle Tony had this sweet RV. And uh, my dad and my uncle took me to my first Major League Baseball game, June 15th, 1983. Still remember it. Uh, They're playing the California Angels. These were the California Angels of Reggie Jackson era, right? If you can, if you can picture oh, yeah. that. I remember sitting in the old Comiskey Park, um, which was renowned for being one of the old stadiums from like 1910, but it also had this scoreboard with these exploding pinwheel firework things. If there were ever home runs, we sat in the upper deck shaded ever so slightly towards third. I remember just taking this in this spectacle, you know, it was a night game, the green grass, the lights, the fireworks, when there was a home run, saw Reggie Jackson hit one out, saw a guy named Ron Kittle hit a rooftop shot out out of the park. Yeah. I mean, just, I was sold, right? Like the, these are my guys. Um, now it's funny growing up in a two team town, you know, the next, so that was 1983. The, the white Sox were good that year. They won the division. Um, they didn't get anywhere in the playoffs, but they were, they were the, the team that year, the next year, the Cubs had a really good team. You know, that was the Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Sandberg, Sandberg yeah. Bobby Dernier, Larry Boa era Cubs. Right. And with the Cubs, you had WGN. So they were on TV every day. You know, I, I'd, I'd have Cubs games on just in the background, no matter what I was doing. And it's funny, as I reflect back, had I not been to that ball game that season before, you know, had that experience where I was like, this is my team, I probably ended up a Cubs fan, which would have been bad, bad outcome, you know. Um, but I picked my squad. I watched the other guys, you know, for a whole season. But I was I was proud to pick my squad and, and stick with it. And um, yeah, that's really the gist of it. There's obviously it's, been some very lean years in that fandom. Uh, it's it's very been, funny that that you that you say that because like there's there's always these these like certain memory triggers that wow this is probably the reason that I'm a fan, and if it were otherwise I'd be something else. Like like you said, you know, if it, you hadn't gone to that game, maybe you would have been a cubby you know, a cubby guy, probably had I not gotten that little helmet bank, I'd probably be a Yankee fan right now. You know, a fan of the fan of the, uh, the evil empire, the the scum of uh, major league baseball. (laughs) Yeah. Just one, one small event can, uh, can lead you to a a future. Right. So, you know, we just talked, I I mentioned the ballpark and like that, that's my first formative memory. Right. was, was, was that old Comiskey? What's uh? What would you say if you had a best or maybe a couple best ballpark memories? Any, anything come to mind for you? Um, yeah. Um, my first ever baseball game, uh, which kind of leads leads into my Jim Rice, my love for Jim Rice. Um, I saw Jim Rice hit his three hundredth home run. Nice. It was in nineteen eighty three. I have a picture. I am not in the picture. <laughs> I am not in the picture, but I do have a picture from that game of uh, of the Green Monster, a photo, an actual photo of the Green Monster with just the netting up behind it. No ads on the on the monster. Yeah, yeah. You know, and when when I was you know I, I was that young, so I was like seven eight years old. That home run, it might have just probably squeaked over. In maybe into the bullpen or just past the bullpen 
just past the, you know, past the, the visiting bullpen at Fenway Park is, is probably a pretty good poke. Sure. But I was convinced that thing went out of the park. Forever, right? Forever. Like, but, get, but guess what? But guess what? You know, the longest home run ever hit at Fenway was by Ted Williams. And there's a red seat that, that is about halfway up. That's right. Yep. Those, those bleachers. So, um, you know, just the, the, the park experience, uh, at Fenway park. So that was my first ever, um, um, Red Sox memory. Um, I've got a number because I got a number of them because over the years we went to a lot of games, went to a lot of Yankees, Red Sox games. Cause my dad's a Yankee fan. My dad would just take me to a Red Sox game and we would hang out at the, uh, at the cask and flagon. And I know that that's a big, that's a big kind of a, a, a name now. And it's a nice place now. And they got, you know, good food and good atmosphere back then all the way up through the nineties, that, that place was seedy as hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I remember, yeah, my, I remember my dad bringing me in there and he was having a beer and it was dark and there wasn't a lot of people in there. And I was sitting there with my cup of root beer being cool in the bar with the guys, you know, guys smoking cigarettes and cigars in there and it's right next door to the park. Right. Um, so when you go to Fenway park, have you been to Fenway? I have. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I've been to Comiskey one time, I, the original Comiskey one time as a kid, but um, when you go into Fenway park, um, the way that when you walk through those gates, that, that gate C or uh, whatever it is on, on the old Yaki way, you almost can see and smell the history that the smells of the ballpark in the, and, and just the visions and the way that the place is built underneath the stadium, you know, they've done improvements over the years, but you can still see the, the bones of the stadium, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you come out, you have to go up the stairs and then down the stairs, but you go up, up a few just a small flight of stairs to get up into the, the area where you can see the park. And when you get out there, there's something about Fenway park. And you said it earlier about Comiskey, but um, it, nothing has ever held a candle to the experience of, I remember my, one of my first memories at a game was closing my eyes and walking out on the field. And I still do it to this day. When I get up to the top of the stairs before I go out to that field level, I close my eyes and I open them when I get up to the top of those stairs. Yeah. And you can just it's the immense greenness of, yeah. of the entire stadium. And the and it is the sights and the sounds and the ballpark, and it's such a small environment. It's a, just closed in. And even though they've added so many seats, you feel close to the game no matter where you are in that park. And you feel close to the players. And that's, that's kind of the mystique behind, you know, Fenway Park. And, and uh, I, I can tell you that I was dead set against moving. They talked about that years ago in the, in the mid-90s and late-90s. Um, they talked about um, putting those seats on the monster. And I was dead set against that. Don't yeah, yeah, yeah. destroy that visage of the, the monster itself. And uh, I'll tell you, I, I changed my mind once I got to sit up there. I was going to just ask that. I bet you've sat there. And, oh, and, God, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's the coolest goddamn thing. And, you know, it, it, it's a long way down. <laughs> it really is a long way down. So, you know, um, the, the, 
the field is the the place is nice now. Uh, when I was a kid, it wasn't. You know, I mean, it's it's stunk of peanuts and beer and and uh, and, piss. and urine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's. It, I mean, all these. I I hear people tell stories about the old uh, White Hart Lane. You know, the way it was. It's in a seedy area of town. It was just like Fenway Park. You know, uh, when you would go to the bathroom and as a little kid, this is a traumatic experience. You'd go to the bathroom in there. They didn't have urinals. They had troughs. Right. Did they have the double sided troughs? Because that's um, what when I was a kid and we and I went to a few no, games at Wrigley, they had the old double sided troughs. So you're you're looking the guy in the eye as you're both, you know, sharing, sharing the whole deal. It was, I can tell it was you that these things were built into the brick. Nice. <laughs> and they were like metal. It was like metal trough. And everybody's pissing into the same, into yes. the same uh, tube, right? And as a little kid, you got a dude on either side of you, and you're not, you're waist high. You're getting splashed in the face. <laughs> not good. You know, traumatic experiences as a kid at Fenway Park, but a lot of, a lot of great experiences too. But the, um, the, it's make, makes you strong, right? It, it really it, does. It builds really character, does. whatever, whatever that might be. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're making me think. Um, you're making me think about various memories. And, you know, one is we talked about old Comiskey and I think it was 1990 that they tore down old Comiskey, built a new park next door, which they called new Comiskey for a while. And I remember in that era, you know, like your baseball team would, would all get tickets and you'd go and you'd sit like in the nosebleed all the way at the top. And it, that was more just to go to the game with your buddies as opposed to being able to see the game because it was too. Oh yeah. We got five, we got $5 tickets at Fenway yeah, yeah. for the bleachers as college students. Right. That, that was, that was always, that was always enjoyable. And you get I, a hot dog and a beer with it. Absolutely. <laughs> I do have this cool memory and not related to the White Sox at all. Actually it's related to the Cincinnati Reds. So my grandmother, I think you said your grandmother always had the Red Sox on every day. My grandmother, yeah. you know, the, the family legend, I don't know if it's true or not, but was that my, my dad's dad had a tryout, just a tryout, nothing more with the Cincinnati Reds. And so my grandmother was a big Cincinnati Reds fan. Um, and she would always have that on the TV whenever we would visit my grandmother. And when I was probably 14 or 15, um, as, as she was getting older, she wanted to take me on a road trip. And we we drove around the Midwest basically. And the culminating event was my grandmother wanted to take me to a, a ball game at the old Riverfront Stadium. And like just that experience is, is still baked into my mind. You know, I still remember that one. but. Your, your comment about the um, j just the scene of the ballpark. So I was lucky enough, actually quick Red Sox detour. Uh, first visit I ever, ever went on to Fenway and first game I ever watched there was actually in the 04 season. We sat in, in right field um, just to, to place it for you. Like the foul pole, I believe it's Pesky's pole, right? Was, yep. was partially obstructing my view of the plate just to give you a sense of where we were about halfway up. And um, that was 04. And I thought to myself, like, I am the reason they won the World Series. I've never been to a game before. And the year that I go to the game, they win the World Series. So I was convinced it was me. Some other people may have. Maybe maybe you need to change your socks. <laughs> yeah, it could, could be. But, <laughs> um, but, you know, so going back to ball games, I had the good fortune to split some season tickets with a guy. Um, oh, wow. At uh, what became U.S. Cellular Field. Now they call it like guaranteed rate field. But um, where the socks play, where my socks play. Um, and they were fantastic seats behind the plate, row 20, shaded one section toward first, but beautiful seats, uh, two seats total. You could see, you could see the curveballs curve. You could see, you know, every, every ball hit on a rope, how it moved into the outfield. Like it was just phenomenal. So for a, a stretch of 03 
until about 08, I would buy about 15 games a year from this guy. And I I have this stretch of just awesome memories. My wife and I would go together a lot. My boys were little at the time and I'd take each, each of my sons for a game here and there. But like, like you mentioned, the, the smell of, of hot dogs and sausages and peppers and onions, you know, like just the, as you walk up and approach um, at that ballpark, there's a good, good tailgate scene. It's surrounded by parking. I was going to, I was going to ask you what it's, what it's like there. It's not like that at Fenway, obviously. Yeah. Not like that at Fenway. It's, it's surrounded by parking lots. So you got a really cool tailgate scene. You can hang out before and after, you know, that's, it's just a lot of fun. You know, you said it's like next door to where the old Comiskey was. It's directly next door. Yeah. One of the parking lots has the, the old home plate, sitting in the middle of the parking lot so that oh, you can cool. see where where the old stadium was but yeah so just that that the colors the sounds like you mentioned the intimacy you know a baseball field really isn't that big when you when you truly think about the dimensions of it it looks sprawling when outfielders are out there trying to close down territory but in reality it's not very big so everybody's in that one place and man i miss that you know that's a that's an environment that it would be cool to to get back when, when there's a there's a there's a certain intimacy that 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 comes along with um the the old ballparks you know um i've never had the pleasure of going to uh wrigley field um missed out on missed out on shea stadium you know even though shea wasn't an old old ballpark but yeah um camden yards has a little bit of that kind of kind of feel and probably the nicest fans in all of baseball oh really yeah they're they're you want to talk about a fan base that's long suffering <laughs> that's a good oh, point yeah yeah they're they're pretty they're pretty always terrible except for you know in the 90s the late mid to late 90s and the 2000s they were they were good and they challenged the yankees a few times um yep. until they decided to give mike messina to the yankees right Bad yeah point. but yeah they built that camden yards and and they won they had a blueprint in mind to kind of make it like an old school ballpark and it yep. really is has that feeling we call it Fenway South and they were the first of those right the modern parks <clears throat> that were going for that they were that yeah. more vintage vibe right yeah yeah they call it we call it Fenway South because we went down there and we there was some crazy stretch of games for like two years where we didn't lose a game there two or three years and and it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing when you think about it. I, it just I I I wish that I had kind of the the same memories with Spurs that I have for the Red Sox. You know, baseball is um, is my first love. I was never really good at it. You know, I was a really good fielder. Um, I, I shouldn't say that. I was a really good infielder. <laughs> <laughs> if we get to stories later about our baseball. Uh, exploits yeah we can do that we can do that but um i got i got a good one for you i might as well do it right now i'm gonna get it out of the way go for it i actually have two um one time uh in high school um i was i was a i was a first baseman but we had a guy with a broken back who was a given he was he was a catcher his entire life and then uh he got in a car accident and broke his back so he played they stuck him at first base and stuck me out in right field um I was a football player, man. You know, so I was a big dude. I shouldn't have been in right field. Right. This ball, this ball is hit. We had a short porch in right field and this ball is hit. I'm playing deep, deep, deep. And we had terrible uniforms. I went to private school, so we didn't get nice uniforms provided to us, you know? So we had uniforms from like the 1980s. (laughs) So here I am, I'm chugging after this ball that is just a little 
bloop, you know, excuse me, kind of right field, opposite field hit. And I got a beat on this thing. And I'm like chugging it as hard as I can, as fast as I can. And somehow my spike gets caught up in my stirrup. You know, the stirrups with the, the long. Yeah. 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 I'm trying to envision, trying to envision that. Face. I tripped and fell on my face, glove out, thinking I could still catch it. It, you know, in my tumbling, it must have been something to see because my friends still talk about it to these to this day. The ball landed right in front of my glove, and two runs scored. And uh, my yeah, like I said, my friends still still pick on me to this day and don't believe that I tripped over my stirrup. <laughs> That's a good story. My other story, my other story is, uh, is a big one, actually. Um, we were getting smoked, um, but there was this ball hit. I'm playing first, and there was a ball hit, and it was heading toward out of play, like the, the corner of the dugout. And we didn't have dug-in dugouts. They were just wooden yeah. structures yeah. that were built up. Right. So here I am tracking, tracking this ball down, tracking this ball down, tracking this ball down. I, I throw out my big fat first baseman's mitt and go into this like sliding motion. And I catch this ball sliding out of play, keep the ball in play. Right. Beautiful catch, beautiful catch. I wheel around, I toss it to the pitcher who's covering first. Right. Didn't pick the guy off or get him out, but um, I get up. I'm there's a guy in third base and I'm playing in on the, on the grass and the, and the guy on first leading off of first base from Springfield high school says to me, uh, Hey buddy, I can see your ass. <laughs> and I turn around and I was like, what? Goes, your pants are ripped. My pants had split from my, from my crotch all the way up my ass. And I didn't know it. <laughs> Cause here I am, here I am. I won't wear a jog strap or a cup, you know? So I'm, I got like, I got briefs on. Yeah. You're wearing your, your whitey tighties, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> long story, long story short, they had to stop the game for 45 minutes to uh, go back to the school because our ballpark was not at the school. They had to stop the game to go get me a pair of pants so we could finish the game. And uh, the next day it was in the paper. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Nice. And nobody mentioned nobody mentioned that I actually got the pitch that game and struck out struck out uh, four batters in two innings. Yeah, that didn't with, matter with my at all. thirty mile per hour palm ball. That did not matter at all. <laughs> all right, so yeah, good old stories. I guess I got a couple for you. So, you know, when I was when I was a kid, like let's say eight till probably twelve, I played catcher and I was I was reasonably good at it. I I could throw anybody out that tried stealing. I could stop the ball pretty well. But I hated it <laughs> because like all, all the catcher's gear, like it drove me crazy. All you know, I'm there sweating behind the plate with all that all that junk on all my buddies around the field. Summer, you know, yeah, it just it was it felt like torture. Like, oh, I gotta <laughs> do this again. So I always wanted to get out of being a catcher, but I could never get out of being a catcher. And I was a mediocre hitter, you know, at, at best. I could I could make contact, but I wasn't I wasn't I could jack anything out. <laughs> just mediocre. So you know, I got to like twelve, and I I quit playing. You know, I just was kind of done. And when I was when I was in high school, it was my sophomore year. 
all my buddies were, were playing baseball. They're like, come on, Dave, let just, just come out, try out for the baseball team. So I tried out for the baseball team, had low expectations, was the last guy picked on the team. The coach was basically told me like, yeah, you, I, I almost didn't pick you, but you know, I, I like your effort. So you, you get to come on board the team. So I, I went into the, the season expecting zero, you know, I expected to be running the scorebook basically was what my intentions were. And then, um, of course, one of the guys got hurt. So all of a sudden, you know, they needed another body to slot in. So every once in a while, I would have to um, would have to actually get on the field and play. And so I was a first baseman slash outfielder when the time came. And so two stories. First one is a good one. Second is a bad one. Um, I actually had the highest batting average on the team that year because I, I hit 400 because I was two for five. Those I only had five at bats all year long, <laughs> and I got and I got two hits. But I was going to say, I, were you, was your team as terrible as mine in high school? <laughs> uh, also mediocre. Also mediocre. Um, but I had the best average on a mediocre team. But the the worst story is one I remember. I don't know if it was a hit or a walk, but I was on first base, leading off, and the the way things were set up, the pitcher was a lefty. He was a big dude, and I remember his name was Gomez because I thought this guy's name should be Lefty Gomez. You know, that just went through my mind. <laughs> and and the way that the sun was situated is the sun was right behind the pitcher from my perspective, so I couldn't see him at all. So not only is he a lefty, but I can't even see him or see what he's doing. Well you know where the story's going. Like I got picked off by a mile. Like I, I, did, I didn't even move, you know, and boom, ball, boom, you're out. I remember going back to the dugout and my coach is just reaming me, you know, like what's wrong, what's wrong with you? What are you doing? You got to pay attention. Coach, I couldn't see. I couldn't see. The sun was in my eyes. Sit down and shut up. But I never got back on the field again that, that entire season after, after getting picked off at first without, without even flinching. So that was the end of my high school career. I knew there was no varsity ball in, uh, in the future for me. I got I got to tell you when I was a senior I got I got sent down to JV to pitch a couple of times because I and the coach was like, "Oh yeah, we we need a pitcher down there as a senior in high school." Here I am playing with a bunch of freshmen and sophomores. Yeah. Like it was because I was a terrible hitter. I mean, I just couldn't hit. I, I terrible 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 hitter. Oh, it was always funny because I I could always hit in summer ball, never in school ball. Different, different caliber, right? Different intensity, oh, whatever it might it was, be. It was it, coaching too. I mean, and also yeah. I didn't, I didn't care really, but I mean, our team was so terrible in high school. We, we had a kid, our starting, our normal starting right fielder. And this is no joke. Uh, one of the games wore work boots, like red wing work boots. <laughs> hey, they hold up to the beating, right? They, they, they do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Used to have a pair of those. I didn't wear them for baseball, but I didn't have a pair of those. <laughs> Hey, let's talk favorite player, Mike. Who's uh who's your favorite player or favorite players if you had to had to pick someone? Um, so I got uh I've got two. Um and they're for almost the same reason. Okay. Um favorite player uh it was Jim Rice. Um just just the way like I, I don't even know, like I I I I just the way that he made pitchers throw the balls that he wanted the pitcher to throw. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he didn't have to hit a home run every single time. He batted for average too, but he was a power hitter. Um, so th- definitely Jim Rice, he was close to the end of his career. You know, he was 10 years in by the time I really caught on to it. Um, so I think he ended his career. He was actually, I think in 1987, um, they had a sports illustrated at a cover with all of the highest paid players in major league baseball, like a little tiny picture, like a, 
of, of each player with yeah. like their number, like that they were making. Jim yeah. Rice was the highest paid player in the league. I remember like, that actually. At I, like I $3 million. Actually, I can remember that. Absolutely. Yep. I mean, can you imagine? Like, I, I don't even know that, that that doesn't even come. That doesn't even like, if you put that into money now, it's probably only like 12 to $13 million. And you got to think it's like, what are some of these players are, are making these days? Um, my other favorite player, um, the reason I wear and war number 42 uh, was Movon. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, big Movon. Uh he was the he, he was listed at the same size as me when I was a sophomore in high school. So <laughs> he was listed at, at six at six foot two forty. So I was like, oh, this guy's the same size as me. Yeah, yeah, cool. This that's pretty cool. Um, so he came out of he came out of like when when Red Sox games out in in Rutland weren't on the radio when the Sox weren't playing they would. Uh, every once in a while play a Pawtucket Red Sox game. It's a triple A team. And um, we had two big players in Pawtucket. Um, they were uh, John Valentin and, mm-hmm. and Mo Vaughn. And when they came up, like immediately, you pair them with, with pitchers, with, with pitchers like, uh, like Roger, Roger, you have Roger Clemens, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Always Aaron Seeley. Um, you pair them, those guys with, with pitchers like that, who are just, they get you out. Um, and then you bring in these two rookies who are just phenomenal rookies. It was like um, Fred Lynn and Jim Rice coming up together in 74, the same type of thing. It immediately turned them into playoff contenders. And then you have uh, players like Ellis Burks and, who also played for your for your White Sox for a short time, yep. and like Green, Mike Greenwell and Dwight Evans, like those teams in the in the late '80s and early '90s, Red Sox were crazy. But um, you you put Movon up there against any hitter in that era, and 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 I and I still say to this day that he w- was another one of those players who was just one of the most feared hitters in the game. And when he swung, he was the original big poppy. When he swung, right, he was. You knew long, he swung. Long gone, move on, right? Like that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, and That's then cool. uh, the Mets just finished paying him like last year. <laughs> last year, <laughs> I think they're still playing. They're still paying Bonilla. I was gonna say the Bobby Bonilla. Then like a twenty-five year deal or something like that. That was, that was something crazy. stupid. Yeah, that that's a good list. I think uh, my two. Um, one of them is a big guy, like you just said, Frank Thomas. You know, when when Frank Thomas came up, I mean, he was he was a, a freak of nature the the moment he hit the majors, and um, that swing I can picture it in my mind. His his production, his consistency, you know, was was fantastic. When the when the White Sox won the World Series in 05, it was unfortunate he got injured that year and had a season long injury and wasn't even a part of the the whole deal. But you know he was he was a power hitter during that steroid era when all those other guys were juicing up and and uh, he notoriously was not caught up in the mix and um, Hall of Famer now obviously he was, he was the Aaron Judge of his time really yeah um, it's true it's, it's bigger than everybody yeah. yeah not not six seven or six eight whatever Aaron no, Judge is but still yeah. scary like absolutely. And then my other guy would be uh, Mark Burley, uh, pitcher number fifty-six. Burley. You know, Mark Mark Burley was was just a guy who got things done. He didn't have the best stuff. He didn't have the best speed, but he was a couple remarkably. 
Yeah, no hitter, perfect game. Perfect game. Um, yeah. One of the one of the coolest things about him was the 05 World Series. He won game two. And then you may not recall this. He got pulled out of the pen in game three to come out and close the game ever having after having just pitched um a complete game the night before. Like the, the, the guy the was the only thing I remember uh from that season is uh the White Sox eliminating the Red Sox in the division round. I yeah. remember that one too. They went, I think it was 11 and one or 12 and one that postseason. They, yeah. they just, the, Red, the Red Sox didn't deserve to, to defend their title that season anyway. They shouldn't have true. even been in the playoffs. Very that was true. a bad team. Yeah. Burley was a guy who just, he worked fast. Like he was one of those guys that it was a two hour game if he was, yeah. if he was on the mound. Um, and again, never, never had crazy stuff, but always got guys out and always just, just came consistently. And I, I just have always appreciated, you know, when I, when we talk Spurs, I talk about like guys that hustle and guys that grind and like, that's Mark Burley. Give me a, give me a, a soccer team full of Mark Burley's. The, I'll, I'll root for that team. You know, that that's all good. And I thought, uh, I thought for sure you're going to throw a Fisky at me or, uh... you know, you can't argue with Carlton Fisk, right? Played for both no. of our teams. You, you can't, you can't fight. Actually he was with Chicago longer than he was with Boston, but I think, I think he's in the hall with a Red Sox cap on. Well, you know, the thing right. is, too, is that if you look at it, if you look at I was looking at the stats today. He was a much better hitter for the Red Sox, but he was a much better catcher for for the Cub or for the White Sox. Absolutely. Uh, it's 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 pretty insane how how he kind of shaped himself to. To kind of fit the mold of what he needed to be at a time in his career. That's a that's a true professional, right? Those the the guys that do it for a long time learn yeah. how to. That's how our to that's make our Lucas of. Mora, you know. <laughs> your Lucas Mora, exactly. Re- reinventing himself. Um, let's talk about let's talk about this season. What uh what are you thinking is gonna happen with with the Red Sox? What do you project for uh, how the season's gonna play out? So the Red Sox, uh, I actually did take some notes today because uh, I was I was trying to I was trying to look at last season it's hard because last season you kind of have to look at it a little bit you have to look at it objectively obviously but you have to take it for what it was you know you have a short season where they play 60 games yeah um they had the red sox at the like the fourth worst record in all of in all of baseball um and the the reason for that wasn't just injuries you know it it was it was just top to bottom guys just didn't care you know um but you hate to see right i mean you hate to see it well it really caused it really caused a lot of people like turn games off i i i would watch it's the first time in my life where i'd watch like two or three innings and just be so disgusted with the effort out there um but you know, looking at this season, um, you, you you bring in a new general manager and 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 high and bloom, um, young guy. Uh, he's kind of a go getter. He is doing that thing with the Red Sox right now that a lot of Red Sox fans probably aren't going to have patience for. Uh, much like what what Potch said with the Spurs is that we are in for a big time rebuild. Right. And it's going to have to be from the ground up and it's going to be long and it's going to be painful. So, you know, Bloom is bringing in guys right now that, that are, uh, are going to be role players. They could be exciting. Um, I don't think there's going to be any shortage of hitting um, with the Sox, you know, um, with the Red Sox. Um, 
got Hunter Renfro and Marlon Gonzalez coming in. Um, they got a rare, a rare um, player from the Yankees and Adam Adovino mm-hmm. coming in to, to shore up the bullpen a little bit. Um, but then you look at this guys like Kike Hernandez and um, like I said, Marlon Gonzalez and Renfro and, you know, you have Kike Hernandez and Renfro played in the world series last year. Right. Um, all three of those guys have rings. Um, so you're bringing, you're bringing in guys who are not just role players. They're guys who are going to come in and, and, and play ball. Um, you know, then you have, um, then you have the guys who are there already. You have Devers, uh, you have Xander Bogarts who are both good, exciting young players. Devers can't throw a fucking guy out to save his life. <laughs> I mean, he's he's the type of guy who will make an amazing play in the field, get up and throw it into the stands. You know, it's that he makes <laughs> weird errors for no reason at str- the strangest times. Um, but and then we bring back Cora, who obviously had his issue um, in Houston with the cheating scandal. And, you know, and it was right. It went right down to not just the the thing with the sensors inside the inside the jerseys but it actually went right down to like banging garbage cans right you know it got right. it got that that you know it was high tech and low tech right yeah they they asked him too was like they were like yeah well, what do you think what do you what are the reasons you didn't do that in boston he said i didn't see a need to hmm. he said it with that thing that was already played out you know there were some things that were kind of probably questionable in Boston, but they're questionable in any, in, on any team, as, as far as I'm concerned, uh, he was, an he, he's an embarrassment to the game. I wasn't happy when they signed him back on, um, just as a fan of baseball. Um, but the guy knows how to coach. He really does. Um, the guy that I love this year, um, Outside of J.D. Martinez, he had a pretty terrible season last year. Um, I, I really love Verdugo. Oh, yeah. I think the, the guy's like the next big fan favorite. Nice. Like, I, I remember watching one game last year, and I can't remember who it was. I think they were playing maybe the Phillies or something stupid like that. But he – there was a ball hit to him in right field, and he runs out, you know, and he makes this catch – he he makes this catch and it, this ball was gone. I thought it was gone. He jumps and makes this awesome catch going over the wall and and because of cover, there's nothing. There's no one in the stands, and he you hear him go woo, <laughs> you know, <laughs> on the TV broadcast, you know, and that's a guy. He smiles. He just loves to play the game. Um, I I just I really think that you know, the Red Sox have a problem with starting pitching. Um, so I'd like to, if I can find my notes here, like get into like what I think might be the starting, uh, the starting lineup this year. Yeah, go for it. Um, so I think, uh, you're going to have, oh, we have Frankie Cordero too. Yes, you um, do. he's coming. Yeah. He's coming. He's coming off of COVID. Um, he's, he's finally getting some, some playing time in spring training. Um, I like Christian Vasquez. He's a huge, he, he's improved his hitting so much over the past few years that 
that he is going to be probably he, w- once he comes to the end of his uh, contract, he's going to probably be gone to, to somewhere where he's going to win a trophy. Um, we got this kid, Bobby Dahlbeck coming in playing first base. He's a, a natural third baseman. Um, Hunter Renfro, like I said, not the Hunter Renfro from the NFL, um, who plays for the Raiders, <laughs> yeah. the other Hunter Renfro. Um, for Dugo, uh, is probably going to start center field. Um, Raphael Devers is going to start third base. Xander Bogarts, um, they were unsure if he was going to be ready. I think he's going to be ready. The The question mark we have is, uh, is our boy uh, Eddie Rodriguez. Uh, he had COVID last year tried to make a comeback in June. It didn't work out. He couldn't breathe. Um, they found out he had myocarditis, um, which is, it doesn't affect a ton of the COVID patients, but, but um, it's a big deal. When it is, it's is... a huge deal, especially yeah. in a professional athlete. Yeah. Um, so, you know, um, he actually had a really good spring training coming into the start of the season, but, uh, his last outing, he pitched five innings and um, he's got what they're calling dead arm. That's and that's, that's because he wasn't able to, he wasn't able to work, you know, in, for an entire year almost. So it looks like probably Evaldi is going to start for us. Um, still a young guy. 30, I mean, 31, I think I, I, I honestly, um, uh, I, I like, Garrett Richards, he's going to be a good pitcher for us. Martin Perez, uh, we got a lot of young young pitchers. Sale like, should be coming back uh, end of May, June. Uh, another guy that we got from you guys. Yes, you did, um, and you you gave us a lot of guys in that trade too. <laughs> we we you sure guys who are like all star caliber at, at this stage. Right? Uh, I th- we'll talk about uh, Moncada. Um, yeah, right. Um, so we we get we do have some young young pitchers. Um, uh, Darwin's and Hernandez, uh, he could, he's probably gonna end up being a middle reliever. He could come in and end up being, uh, end up being a starter by the end of the season. Um, I like Nick Pavetta, um, and, uh, I've already lost the name of, uh, we just signed that. We just signed like an 85 year old Japanese reliever, um, <laughs> that we, that we probably paid you know, outrageous money just to talk to. Yeah. Right. Um, like we did with Matsuzaka back in the day. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I feel the Red Sox, um, this team is kind of built similarly, but not without the pitching of the 2013 team that won the world series. Um, they came out like, it was just a bunch of, you know, workmen on that team. Uh, not, not Brandon workman, but, uh, he was on that team. Um, that was the team with the beards, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, so it was a bunch of just workhorses, like everyday dudes who just going out there playing playing ball, and they surprised everyone. And by the end of the season, they're the hot team going to the playoffs, and they just destroyed everybody. Nobody had a chance in those playoffs against them. Um, and you know, it was kind of be- mostly because, um we had guys like our, our mascot, Johnny Gomes. Yeah. He wasn't a big, he wasn't a big player. I mean, but I, I, I feel like the Red Sox this year are going to end up probably. 
it's going to be hard to beat the Blue Jays and the Yankees. They're probably going to end up third and and miss out on the playoffs. But I think it's it's going to be a like like I said before, it's going to be a tough rebuild for the Red Sox, and they have to do it every few years. But um, yeah, it's it's going to be a tough year. I I I feel like those the the Black Sox are going to be a they're going to be the better the better club this year. They're probably going to win the Central, but. I think, yeah, I think this year they're lined up to no question. Um, You know, and it's, it's been a long time coming. And I would say that Chris sale trade, um, I forget what year that was. Was that 13 or 14? I don't remember which, which season that happened. Um, I I feel like it was even later. No, it might've been, it was probably 14. I do have a couple of Chris sale autograph balls in my uh, office, but but they're, they're, they're my socks and not yours. Um, You know, the, they, they started a long rebuild six, seven years ago, and it's, it's coming to fruition. You know, so last year they had a, they had a solid 60-game uh, season, but they fell apart late, but they were young and, and inexperienced. And, you know, what, what they've had for a couple of years now is, is some big bats, and they've had, they've had some hitters, but they've lacked, they've lacked quality pitching. And what I loved about this offseason was, um, first, they moved on the manager, and I'll talk about that a little bit later, but um, – they, they, they moved on adding pitching to the, to the rotation. So, you know, when you look at the White Sox kind of top to bottom and I'll, I'm sure I'll miss somebody, but you know, they've got Tim Anderson leading off. I don't know if you know much about Tim Anderson, but he's a fantastic shortstop and he's a, he's a hustler. He's a grinder. And, you know, when he started his career, he was, he didn't have a very good eye, wasn't a very good hitter, but he has made himself into a stellar hitter. He won the batting batting title in 2019. Uh, I think he came in second in the AL batting title last year. Uh, but he's just consistent. He's got swagger and he leads, he leads their lineup off. And, you know, until he loses that spot that that's his, but you got Yasmani Grandal behind the plate. The, the White Sox have a big Cuban connection. You know what I mean? There's all right. kinds of Cuban guys on the team, but, but Grandal's a, a, a great pitch framer. He's a solid hitter. Um, he's got some wonky knees that, that concerns me. Uh, so backup catcher is going to be a, a key spot for them, but Jose Abreu, their first baseman is the reigning MVP. Yuan um, yeah. Mancata. Uh, had a rough year last year, had COVID last year and really right, struggled yeah. even when he came back, but he, he's had a fantastic spring training. I mean, he's, he's putting the bat on the ball and, and um, he's going you know, to be super special. One of the guys that I was very upset about losing, you know, absolutely. Sometimes I worry, like he's carrying 10 pounds of gold chains around when he runs around the bases, but, you know, <laughs> but he's, he's, he's nothing but talent. Purdue goes like that too, though. He, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. I've got a kid named Lewis Robert, uh, which always, makes me laugh because I think his name should be Robert because he's also Cuban, but Lewis Robert is center fielder is a, is just a, a beast of a, a player with a big bat and a lot of speed. He's still young and still makes mistakes, but keep an eye on that guy. Keep an eye on that name. Um, you know, in, in right field, probably the most challenging dynamic. Um, they signed Adam Eaton this last year. Adam Eaton played for Chicago a few years back and, and he's a talented guy, but he wasn't really a great clubhouse guy back then. And, went off to the Nats, had, you know, had Adam Eaton, um, had Adam Eaton production, you know, he does produce, but he's kind of injury prone as well. Um, but, but right field is just kind of a, pl- a platoon type scenario for the White Sox in, in my mind. But I uh, got a kid named Nick Madrigal at second, who's a, um, he's a contact hitter. He's a single double guy. He can put the ball in the opposite field and, and move move runners around from from the bottom part of the lineup and you know that's what you need when you got all those other big bats is somebody keep things moving and then i have my eye on 
we've got a kid named Andrew Vaughn, who's kind of the, the DH and waiting. And right now they're playing the, are they going to keep him in AAA and do the service time thing? Or are they going to bring him up and, and let him um, he'll be there on opening day? My hunch is he's there on opening day because one of our other great Cuban hitters is a guy named Eloy Jimenez that we picked up from the Cubs several years ago. Uh, he just injured himself, tore a peck. He's a great hitter and a bad left fielder. And so now we'll probably see that that DH kid uh, slotted into the left field. Ramirez type, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I, I mentioned pitching earlier, and the cool thing is, like, had Dallas Keuchel last year, um, Lucas Giolito is a stud, picked up Lance Lynn um, during the offseason from the Rangers. Lance, Lance Lynn is a huge, huge pickup. Huge pickup. He's a stud. Yeah. Although I've heard it said, like, these new rules about – pitchers not being able to use substances on the balls, which I thought was already a rule, but uh, it sounds like this is a, <laughs> sounds like this is a new thing. And they need, to, they need to reinforce it. I yeah. They, they, that might affect him. I don't know. They picked oh. up Liam Hendricks as a closer from the A's. Uh, he's a beast. Yeah. Um, got from the Red Sox a long time ago, Michael Kopech, who has, has still not made the bigs, but he's got a hundred mile an hour arm. Got another kid named Garrett Crochet that they drafted out of, uh, I want to say Tennessee a year or so ago. Who's, who's got great, great stuff in the pen already. Like if, if this young team can put 162 games together, they're, they're going to be something to reckon with. Maybe this isn't the world series year, but they're set up. They're set up for a run where they're going to be in contention. And that's cool. And then the final piece I would share is just the manager side. So, you know, I talked to, I talked earlier about my, my formative years, what made me a White Sox fan was 1983. The funny thing is the manager of that game that I went to was this guy named Tony LaRussa who um, is now the manager of the Chicago White Sox. They- it's it's kind of it's kind of funny. He was part of, he was part of the crew that that got together that 2018 Red Sox team that won a 100 and it's right. games, right? That's right. He was in the Red Sox front office. That, he was in the front office, right? Yeah. And you know, he's what what I at first I was I'll admit it I was I was excited about the hire cuz there was a childhood nostalgia involved. And then you may not have seen this, but he had some DUI issues that were lingering and, and that had to get resolved. So it's kind of like, oh, do they do they hire a bum? Do they cover this up? Like, what's this going to do for the morale, et cetera? That kind of played itself out. And now the way I look at it is with a young team with a ton of pop, a ton of swagger, a ton of potential, give me an old school guy to kind of run a tight clubhouse. And I like that combo. I like I like that mixture. As long as he can keep the clubhouse, as long as he's he's got guys to connect with the kids and, and isn't, you know, um, doesn't pull a Jose Mourinho potentially and have kind of, you know, a, a, any schism in the, in the clubhouse there. I mean, could the, be something to it. So I, I'll tell you like the, the, the way you're talking about La Russa is, I mean, it's kind of the way I feel about AC, you know, uh, Cora, um, his brother played for your boys too, right? Sure did. Joey. Yep. Joey um, Cora, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So um, he, he was Ozzie Gian's backup. That's right. Ian, yeah. Um, the way I feel about AC is that, like, honestly, he's uh, he's a he's a player manager. Yeah. So uh, it, it's kind of the the polar opposite. Um, but he can. It's it's kind of like one of those things I was talking about. Um, Jose not being able to do is get through to his player the what with the players he has what he wants out of their players as a, as a, as a team, you know, I think that Alex is great at connecting with the young guys and, and being able to, to figure, to, to figure out what his players need 
to to succeed. I mean, granted, he had Jackie Bradley and Benintendi and Mookie Betts, and he had a sick pitching staff and a great, great bullpen. Yeah. Um, but um, that's the same type of thing that I like to see out of AC. And um, it, it's more new school versus old school and in, in what the what the White Sox have. But um, before we end here, I just want to I just want to go through a little list of uh, um, players that played for both teams. Uh, I okay, yeah, let's, let's hear it. Let's hear it. So um, I'm going to start off with uh, Sparky Lyle. Okay. Yep. Started off with the Sox. Uh, went to the Sox, um, and, and I think he ended up in in Detroit. Um, uh, kind of, a, I think he was a lefty. He was a pitcher, and um, then there was uh, Mike Andrews. Uh, of the of the mike andrews baseball camp fame uh he runs his baseball camps all over the country uh there's a big one in louis aparicio louis aparicio i didn't realize red sox on that side yep that's cool okay um he i think he started with the red sox actually possibly um then there's ellis burks yep played for the red sox the white sox and then the red sox again yep Uh, danny darwin danny darwin how about that uh, Brian Daubach. Uh, Brian Daubach was a guy who in the Red Sox farm was in the Red Sox farm system for like a hundred years. And then he finally got his shot um, on a couple of really bad Red Sox teams. He was, he was an all-star for, I think one, one of the years. Um, let's see. Uh, Alan Embry. Yep. Uh, also played for the twins as well, right? He, Embry played for the twins. I think he played for the Yankees possibly too yeah okay it, it could could be i might be wrong um carl everett carl everett <laughs> carl, carl, I like carl everett, I like carl everett. One of my favorite red sox memories uh which resulted in a, in a huge bench clearing brawl uh he went out he went out to take on a pitcher with a baseball bat in his hand what's um, wrong with that that <laughs> pitcher probably had it coming right <laughs> steve psycho lions who might be one of the best uh fielding pitchers of all time and Steve I'll, Lyons I'll, was the one who who dropped his pants on first base. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Which yes gave him absolutely. the nickname Psycho. You got it. Yep. He was he was also like that guy that they would use in a pinch to to pitch. Yeah. And he and he pitched a number of games for the Red Sox and and uh, the White Sox. He sure did. Um, then there's Fisky. Yep. Uh, which we talked about. Probably um, the most successful, you know, cross cross Sox guy, right? We're gonna we're gonna get there because I'm oh, saving the best one for last. Okay, all right. Um, I got Uke, Kevin yep. Uke, who went That's... to you guys at the end of his career. He sure the did. Greek god of walks. Uh, Jake Peavy. Jake Peavy um, came to Chicago via San Diego, but he was in Boston before that. That's exactly that right. correct. Yeah. Um, we have the the guy that played for both of our teams who was fantastic. Um, made the last out in our our World Series win, uh, Keith Folk. Um, yes, he did. Keith Folk, who was famously overused by both of his managers uh, in Boston and in in Chicago. Yes, he was. Um, yep. Oh my God, they they blew that guy's arm out so badly. Um, it was it was something crazy. He had. So, I, I can't remember how many innings pitched versus versus uh his appearances uh <laughs> you never saw you never saw a guy who could get who could get a, a, a two inning save like keith folk 
Um, but the the last one is Eddie Sakat. Okay. Who was, was, Eddie, fa- who was a who was, was he a was he a part of the Black Sox? He was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was the guy, Eddie Sakat was the the guy that that year won 29 games. Uh in 1919, won 29 games. And because he was taken, he was told to be taken out by Charlie Comiskey in the last game. Yep. He didn't get the win. That's right. Are you holding some out on me? Because I have two on my mind that you may be holding out. Um, no, 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 no. Uh, Eddie Sikot's my, my, my big one. Um, okay. uh, he, he, he was with the Red Sox uh, early on. He got traded. He, he got, well, back, back in those days, they called us, he got sold to the White yeah. Sox um, because he just wasn't performing in Boston. Um, the, the way that they had thought. Funny enough, that year that they finally got rid of him, he had been been with the Sox for since 1906 or 07. When they got rid of him in 12, that year, the Red Sox opened Fenway Park and won the World Series. Oh, no kidding. How about that? And also the Titanic sunk that year on the day that Fenway Park opened. Same day. All right. How about that? So um, yeah, Eddie Sakat, and then he goes on to win a thousand games for the White Sox, and and probably be the most famous pitcher to ever uh, hit the first batter on the World Series. That's a good one. All right, two more players. I got you ready. Okay. Yeah, one of, one of them we said already. Chris Sale played for both teams. That's that's correct. And then you haven't mentioned this guy. I would have thought he might have been first on your list. Um, you can Manny, see Manny. Manny Ramirez. Yeah, yeah. Manny Ramirez. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, he, 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 was not, he was not the Manny Ramirez of old when he was in Chicago, but he was still Manny Ramirez. You know what? Manny Ramirez, uh, if, if anything with Manny um, and the performance enhancers or whatever, that guy was probably one of the most pure hitters I've ever seen in my life. Um, when he came to Boston, we were – super excited i mean to the point where the boston media like followed him from the airport to fenway park yeah and they when they made the announcement like they followed him with cameras till he walked into fenway park and he walked down the the concourse to to the offices and i i manny manny for me like he was never really an indian you know right right he was there on those really good teams and he was the guy, but what a hitter, what a hitter this guy was. No he question. hit for power. He hit for average. You know, he'd make you throw stupid pitches. Just, just uh, the way he would stare a pitcher down to. And he could put the ball or he could put the bat on the ball, no matter where you put it. Like that was, that was what I loved about watching him play. Yeah. Could, I mean, he could hit it anywhere. That's you know, and that's that's what that's actually a good thing about Raphael Devers is like the guy doesn't strike out right ever, ever. He puts the ball in play always because he hits the ball, and like you said, Manny would hit the ball in places where pitcher pitchers are probably going, "What the hell?" Yeah, why is he swinging? Right? Yeah, yeah. Why is he swinging? How did he foul that ball off? I mean, yeah, but Manny Manny's uh. Manny's the 24 to my 42, right? I, I loved Manny. 
Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Hey, that's a great list, man. I appreciate that. That's good. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think it's about time for us to wrap this up. All so right, um, this has been fun. It's been nice to take a baseball detour. And by the time we record again, we'll have opening day and we'll probably be on game three or four by then. So yeah. we'll have some early, uh, early stuff to talk about. But hey, um, next week, we, we're getting back at it. Um, we'll have our friend Steve back with us. We might have a special guest we're working on to do a little preview of of Man United. We're not sure how that's going to play out quite yet, but in process. And uh, until then, Mike, I want to thank you for this baseball conversation and let's go Red Sox. Let's go, go White Sox and come on you Spurs. Come have on you Spurs. <laughs>